Welcome to Ramble City. Whenever you sort of say about like a band breaking up, it feels like such a funny phrase to use, isn't it? You know, like, yeah, we're, we're breaking up. It kind of makes me wonder about what that whole process is like. Is like, do you sit down and it's like, it's not your guitar playing, it's me. Like, I feel like I just need to see other musicians. I just feel like I need to go away and do other things. And I just think we'd be better off seeing seeing other scenes. It, look, I, I'm not being lazy here, but that is exactly how it went down, frankly. It's like, it's not one thing. <laughs> it's like being in a relationship for 20, 20 odd years. And then you just, everyone wanted to do different Have you ever wondered what goes on inside a great rock and roll band? How and why do they stay together? How do they keep the magic alive? And where does all the great music come from? Hello, Bradley McCaw here. Welcome to this week's episode of Ramble City. Today's guests are Ian Hogue and Steve Bishop. Yes, two guests from two-thirds, well, they are two-thirds of the Brisbane band The Predators, who, with John Collins, who isn't in the chat today, were the three founding members of one rock group called Powderfinger. In this chat recorded just prior to the release of their debut album, Everybody Loves, we dig into their early days in the flourishing Brisbane music scene in the late 80s and 90s, which they refer to as, wait for it, bums, which we (laughs) dig into and have a lot of fun about. We talk about uh, Powderfinger's early days of gigging before I ask them to tell me which animal predator they think I would be. We dig into what makes a band tick and, and what brought them back together making music as the predators today. Before we get into it, don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on YouTube. You can follow me at Bradley McCaw Official. Hear my music everywhere. And, and why not share this episode with a friend? You know, that sounds like a lovely idea and I think they'd really love to hear from you. But let's get to it. Um, We kick off with Ian and Steve talking about the early days of Powderfinger and my receiving what I thought was the coolest press release in this show's history. I'm Bradley McCaw and this is Ramble City. Welcome to Ramble City. All right, guys. So I think your the, your press release, which for anyone that doesn't know, is kind of like the information that gets sent out to, to media. So anyone that's not in the business kind of may not have ever got a press release, right? But it's kind of everything that's announcing a project or talking about things that, that that's coming out. And and yours is probably um, was kind of one of the most boss kind of opening lines of a press release to me. It was just like the Predators are the original Powderfinger lineup. It's just like mic drop. And that's just like, that's just the press release. Can you guys sort of give me a quick understanding or kind of what it was like at the height of that time in Powderfinger and sort of just set the scene for us, I guess, as sort of a backlog coming into now, starting then. And do you want to go right to left, Steve? Do you want to kick kick us off? Yeah, for my part of it, do we go right back? as, As in the original Powderfinger, it was three guys went to school together and, um, JC and I were in a band called The Eternal and we were very, you know, sort of, you know, not quite goth, but, you know, really sort of, you know, Joy Division. And uh, Ian was in a band called The Fossils um, and they played sort of alternate rock, sort of pre-grunge. And um, we also had a duo and, and we went to a gig and saw them and I think Ian asked if we would like to have a jam and he came to one of our gigs uh, where we were playing at the Regatta Hotel, um, 
in Brisbane right. as a duo and he, he played a couple of songs and, and that's how it began. And so, yeah, it was a three-piece and we sort of were looking for, for names, I guess, weren't we in sort of – I've forgotten what other names we had. I think we had the some band. terrible names. Um, yeah, I think one of them, bad names. one of them, which was really great, still record, and there should be a band. It was called Water. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And actually another one that I had floating around at the time was liquid pumpkin because I hated pumpkin soup. And it, I mean, <laughs> and then it, it's, um, I like pumpkin soup now. But, and obviously the Smashing Pumpkins came after that, but I'd never, we didn't know about that at the, the time. So it would have been funny to call a band liquid pumpkin. Just uh, at the time opening for Smash- Smashing Pumpkin before all the height of it all, just Liquid Pumpkin, Smashing yeah. Pumpkin, just a bill of pumpkins. That's right. Because I read you guys were, were in those early days, it was it was like you came together as a covers band, right? Like way, 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 way back? Well, we yes. always played originals. Like we we did covers and as Bish was just saying, um, they the Eternal had their sort of um, – their kind of – you know, influences and the band that I'd been in had its influences, but there was a couple of crossovers between them and one of them was the Sunny Boys. And so... Right. Yeah. Um, big fans. Yeah, we're big fans of the Sunny Boys. And so when Powderfinger started, um, we played Sunny Boys songs and, I mean, there was, you know, some classic rock, like Credence and Led Zeppelin and, and Hendrix and stuff, I guess. That- the Staples. Because we played yeah. at parties, right, Bish? What was the first one? Was it Tim's or was it Kylie's? Yeah, there was. I think there was an 18th party, yeah. Tim's, and and I just, I just got this. Um, uh, my parents got me this. Uh, what was it? A 12 track, um, yeah. powered. You know, the yeah. latest thing, and then we hooked it up to these really tiny speakers, and I think we blew it out in the second song, yeah. or something, <laughs> and so. Wasn't that long, but we kept playing on it without. We used that PA for the rest of our careers. Well, JC used yeah. to blow up every bass amp he plugged into. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let him touch your Sounds computer. A because if you just technology, you can't wear a watch; it will die. He touches a computer; it will die. Everything dies. Really? He touches. He's just got weird electronic energy. Chrome, chrome energy, or something. Yeah, yeah. It, kind of, it kind of reminds me, there's a story that, tell me if this is true, guys. So there's a story where you were playing a heavy metal gig in Newcastle in 1990. Yeah. Now, I know this is ages no, no. ago. That was 1994. Can you that remember that one? Bish left yeah. sensibly yeah. because we took a, a weird direction for a little Pantera. while. Pantera. Bish, Bish had <laughs> left by that stage and gone on to live over in London. But, um, yeah, you're right. Pantera, yep. weird match. So, like the genesis of kind of any band and kind of how a band stays together and the members that bring it together is such uh, is something that music geeks and historians and everyone kind of labors over and thinks about and sort of intellectualizes and does all this stuff. But I sort of get the impression that it's kind of just a bit of a bit of wankery in a sense, and just just everyone else is kind of just making music. Is that a sense of it when you guys play in whatever lineup it is? It's just you're just playing music and it comes about how it comes about. Do we all make it more complicated at uh, uh, this side than it really is? Yeah. No comment. All right, moving on. Great. <laughs> well, I don't know. I was uh, great. To, I was going to wait to see what Bishop said there. Um, what are you going to say, Bishop? Oh, it, it, it's well, it's it's not overly compl- 
complicated. No, it's all about feeling. It's all about having a a, a group of people sinking. I guess it's about the sink for me. If it sinks in and yeah, doesn't matter that you sort of um, capability. It's if you've got that. And you don't mean guess, float or you know? sink, do you? You mean sink? <laughs> no, 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 sink. Yeah, yeah, as in, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah sink, <laughs> synchronicity, or you know, just enjoy belting it out. There, there is something about playing in a band with more than one person. Yeah, together. and I, I mean that's why we, you know, why we did it. We were just a group of friends that wanted to play songs, and we weren't a covers band, but we did the covers and we did all that stuff to get good at doing it together, and we enjoyed each other's company and because you're certainly not doing it for the money like yeah that's right there was no money in it and like we you know we would have i mean even before bernard joined the band we were doing gigs at like the ship inn and stuff in brisbane Mm. like on the expo site treasury hotel treasury site and everything and i think you'd get paid maybe like 30 bucks or something like that and so so the rates are the same, essentially. Yeah. The rates haven't changed. No, no. <laughs> so you get no, enough to maybe buy some strings or whatever, if if it even you got to take it home. But the yeah, chances are you'd spend it on beer. Yeah, it, it's. I get a sense too from you talking about the bands that kind of you were all in when you sort of came together you know, around you know nineteen. What year were you saying that was nineteen? Eighty whatever. Eighty eight. I think. Eighty eight. Eighty eight. Yeah. There really was kind of in Australia through the eighties. There was this. A much more sense of of a scene, right? Like there's a scene now, but kind of I've spoken to a whole bunch of people that in different pockets of whether New South Wales or, or Melbourne or here, there was a a sense of everyone being in a band, and then these four people would be in a band together, and then you know, yeah, Johnny's got a band, but he that he in that band is is Stacy, who's also in this band with us. Was kind of like this. Was that what it was like when you guys kind of formed in in the late eighties? Yeah. Well, for me in Brisbane, yeah, it was. And Brisbane was a lot different from maybe Sydney and Melbourne where, where there were definite, you know, scenes. There was sort of punk and there was Scar and there was sort of the indie pop kids. And whereas mm. Brisbane, I think, in that time, 89, 90, 91, was sort of a melting pot. And as you say, people were in different bands with, you know, other bands and, so yeah, it was a cross pollination of ideas, and and um, yeah, it was it was good fun. Mm. Definitely, and I think that melting pot, sort of like a really good example of it, was this. Everyone used to practice in this building called the Target Building, the TC Burn Building. Yeah, and there were it was I don't know how many bands were practicing in there. That was probably like twenty or thirty, and you'd literally we paid wow. thirty dollars a month rent to to have this small room inside that looked like it was off a Doctor Who set, like with bubble windows. It was all yeah. green carpet and everything. And um, there was a green level, a red level, and a yellow level, I think. And that melting pot was amazing. You could walk around and hear it, like Bish was just saying. You could hear a ska band and a pop band and a punk band all in the same thing, and everyone would sort of talk to each other and you know join bands with each other, really. Mm. Uh, we were probably a bit of a rarity. We didn't really – play with other bands at that point we're friends with them all and everything but yeah we just we're trying to do our our own thing i think
It sounds like to me as kind of someone that's hearing about it secondhand that at that time, it was like this festival energy in your own backyard. Like it's like kind of all, or like that one night there's a show and there's like six people on the bill. You know, there's that, there's that time in Sydney that everyone played till 5am in the morning and things like that. Is that, is that kind of true that it was just kind of everyone congregating and enjoying each other's company and just kind of hanging? And that yeah. seemed to sort of disappear a little bit as we had less and less venues and all that sort of stuff. Do you think that's accurate? Yeah, it was. It was also pre-internet. It was, right. it was pre-sort of social media as well, and uh, so the the it was organically formed. Those sort of scenes, yes, the and all the bands, and, sort of you know. fanzines as well. That bums I saw. Yeah, bums. It's good social media now because I forget all that stuff on social media that people posted on there. So that you remember, bum standard for Brisbane <laughs> Underground. Bum sounds like something else. I don't. I don't know if yeah, bums no. is what I think. It's an think acronym. It's that, is that, is that? <laughs> it was an acronym for right. Brisbane Underground Music Scene, and um, it was a. Of course, it was. Maybe, maybe it was biweekly or something. But it would list, you know, gigs that were around town and have articles with bands and reviews and and everything. So, and it was it, it really helped develop the scene. It was sort of prior to there being street press. That, that was focused mm-hmm. on the bands. And then just after that happened, then t- t- there was two magazines, Time Off and Rave, were both sort of happened at the same time and that was the free street press. But, um, yeah, so the scenes, you know, it was kind of pretty much the valley was the epicentre of it as it still is. So it's – and it's, that's yeah. pretty rare mm. in the world to have a an and area you, like that. And you, and you had people young – entrepreneurs as well starting the zoo and starting other venues and yeah. funk yard and things like that so it was all very do-it-yourself and wasn't too much into the money just to you know mm. um get people together and, and just organize gigs basically and you so. needed to get together somewhere because you're right you couldn't just send them a dm no exactly could you? you know the and thing about bums though guys is it makes me think of like it's actually like the magazine is just like profiling musicians butts that's what it sounds like it should be to me. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the, yeah, that's the mark too. You can start that one. <laughs> yeah, okay, I've got we'll, we'll that. That's, uh, that's my IP. Yeah, we'll be your first. Fantastic. Studies. Yeah, yeah. Fan- wow, sure? thank you very much. Wow. <laughs> Brisbane also back then. I can't believe, but what were you going to say? Br- yeah. Brisbane, um, like it was sort of, it was the first, prior to sort of the late 80s, there, there'd been so many great bands coming out of Brisbane um, during the seventies and the eighties, but everyone would leave. Everyone's think they would all go down to Sydney or yeah, to Sydney or Melbourne, or Sydney or Melbourne, or even like as the go-betweens did go to London, you know, or just they would. Brisbane really didn't have a scene that was um, that made people want to stay. But we sort of, I think, we were part of a, gr- a whole group of bands that sort of decided that we were going to change that attitude and stayed like us and regurgitator and scream feeder and um, custard and all these other bands that stayed in Brisbane and you just jump in the van every six weeks and go down there and tour rather than move there. Wow. That's really, that's really cool to hear. Cause I guess that part of that legacy hasn't permeated to the front of folk music law history kind of at least in Queensland like because I'm based in Queensland so that's because even when I was sort of growing up it's like oh everyone's still leaving you know it's interesting to know that you, that you got kind of made a stand so to speak even then and the and the lucky of course I left but um 
<laughs> I mean, it was good of them, but I had to go to London yeah, yeah. to piss off. I just didn't want to be around anymore. Yeah, yeah so but, did you go to London but, you know, then? I, I was, or Sydney, then London? I can't remember the order. Uh, I went to Sydney, then London, but yeah. the, the other bit that was the catalyst there for the local scene to keep going was Triple J went national, and that yeah. enabled a bit more exposure instead yeah. of, um, like Triple Z was already always supporting local bands, but... Um, you got Triple J on on front, and so bands were able to tour um, quite successfully. Would you say in down oh, and yeah, back sure. and have some support, radio support? Yeah, you'd be able to play in Coffs Harbour, and people there would have heard your song on the radio. Whereas prior to that, you know, you'd have to get on a Coffs Harbour radio station, which is, was tricky. You know, or you had to be mm. in that sort of. There was probably half a dozen pub rock bands that would packing it all the time there, you know, your Angels, Radiators, all those bands that were sort of the just yeah. be- before we started sort of thing. And and sadly, a lot of those bands, I reckon, were looked at by bands of our generation as sort of uncool and they weren't uncool. They, they were trailblazers, like all of those bands. That, and, mm. um, you know. Can you think dragon. of some of them? Just Dragon and yeah. yeah, Dragon and yeah. even Ice House and and bands like that. Little River they, Band. Yeah, well, I mean, Rock they were more of an international band. They went, American. they went yeah, to America sure. and slated over there. But you know, all these, you know, the Radiators and that, they all, they really were trailblazers. They were like very punk rock in their sort of mental as anything. Yeah, mental. It's like it's and mm. sort of. I think people that in our the and it's, I'm sure it happens now with young bands. They'd look at us and go, "Are oh, the dinosaurs or whatever?" Yeah. It's you know, it's just a generational thing. But like the, it's retrospect's a funny thing because now you look back from what we were, the bands from the '70s and early '80s when we were in the late '80s. We we're you know that it's just a ten year thing, and so mm. yeah, it's sort of it's unfortunate that that's what happens. But, mm. But yeah, it's yeah. definitely generational. Mm. That next generation was then asserting itself and heading, you know, head, also with the scene, you know, there was also video makers, filmmakers, mm. writers, I guess, even, all, all, all sort of asserting themselves at the same time in the early 90s, which was. All revolving cool. around bums. All yeah, exactly. revolving around exactly. bums. All with very healthy bums. Wow, what a healthy bum. It had, just because uh, Joe had outlawed bums, didn't want to see any bums, Joe yes. would be off the <laughs> He didn't want so, to see any bare bums. Yeah, he loathed so bums. He was gone and there was a real <laughs> feeling of after he, that sort of that sort of crushing, claustrophobic he split with a, feeling that he. Liquid pumpkin. Yeah, yeah, liquid pumpkin <laughs> crushed. Um, but like <laughs> that whole feeling of uh, that, that people had had in the eight, 80s into you know into the early 90s even when we were practicing at the Queensland Uni there was a real sort of fascist sort of element which is sadly rearing its head again where you know mm. people like skinheads would you know come in and smash down you know took over the the student union building and and stuff like that it's like yeah mm. it's like there wasn't much i don't know the police and and we didn't like the skinheads much either, but they were sort of fighting for the same thing, I think. There was a, a very yeah. strong sort of right-wing sort of thing going on. And I, a lot of the bands at the time, including Triple Z, really sort of rallied against that. 
mm-hmm. your regurgitator and yeah. things like that. And and you had the Fitzgerald inquiry uh, just before that as well. Mm-hmm. So a lot of corruption uncovered, etc. And that all, all added the good to, stuff. All the, yeah, all, totally. All the it all added to, to Brisbane kind of becoming a bit of a, um, you know, that it had been su- such an intense place previously, and then so there was this this feeling of sort of freedom or par- a party feeling, like all through the valley, mm. and it was like that was our turf, you know. It was it was good fun, mm. and it was highly unregulated. There was a lot of venues that, you know, there was no. I mean, we were playing in venues when we were 14 and 15 years old. Yeah. You know, no one's asking mm. for ID or whatever, that's for sure. So it was it was pretty loose. Yeah, Tony Mott was telling me a story, photographer Tony Mott, he was saying yeah. in Sydney he used to he would just be in 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 bars taking photos till five o'clock and yeah. or whatever, or just seeing bands. And I said, so why did you think it stopped? And the first thing that he said, I was like, why do you think that scene sort of slowed down? He said, mostly because they started enforcing, you know, checking people's blood alcohol level before they left these venues because people would just drive and just go see these places, you know. So you're saying yeah. about being underage and getting into these clubs and yeah. and there was a real kind of unregulatedness yeah. to it, I guess. Well, we were too young yeah, to be driving. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I mean, so that's two things that's you broke. Our yeah, yeah. dad's, <laughs> dad's driving us. Yeah. <laughs> Stay down there. We'll, we'll mm. lug it in. Don't you come in. Yeah, that's right. All right, let's take a quick break. Let's let's talk. Um, let's talk about sort of the end then of of Powderfinger and I guess Bish when you left, and then the, what led to kind of this this new album. Let's let's take a quick break. All right, so. Whenever you sort of say about like a band breaking up, it feels like such a funny phrase to use, isn't it? You know, like, yeah, we're, we're breaking up. It kind of makes me wonder about what that whole process is like. Is like, do you sit down and it's like, it's not your guitar playing, it's me. Like, I feel like I just need to see other musicians. I just feel like I need to go away and do other things. And I just think we'd be better off seeing, seeing other scenes. Is that kind of how it goes? Um, by Ian's face, I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it went down. That it, seems pretty, look, I, pretty perfect. I'm not being lazy here, but that is exactly how it went down, frankly. It's like it's not <laughs> one thing. It's like being in a relationship for 20-odd 20, 20 years and then you just everyone yeah. wanted to do different things. And Bish wasn't – like when, when Bish left the band, it was, it was sort of a different – situation because we were going to continue. Very early at the on. end of yeah. – yeah, it was very early yeah. on where we, we hadn't – even really recorded something that that people can get hold of now. We do have a couple of, yeah, we, of we, demo we, tapes, which you yeah, know, we did maybe, one song that dear to our hearts. Yeah, I think we, we had, let's on. link it in. Yeah, <laughs> let's link on. it in via these episode notes. <laughs> well, Come on, let's let's do it. <laughs> okay, your bums, your demos, yeah. your drawers, take it out. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just I'll digress for a moment. The song was called "Move On." So since. Since that song was has been was written, however, that would have been like 1990 or 91. Every time since then, when you're doing having a conversation or you're in rehearsal and someone says, Okay, let's just move on, someone plays that riff, and it's just it's beyond a joke now, it's ridiculous. And like everyone in the band's like, (laughs) No, and so now we're doing it in Predators rehearsals, someone still does this, it's just a stupid joke. We, um, it's it's a good, you know, it was a song. Of its time, wasn't it, Bish? Yes. Yes. 
It was all about moving on. Yeah. But the, <laughs> so when Bish left, moving. he moved on and uh, that's how we can segue that. <laughs> and, um, and that was all cool. Everyone. What's the riff? Can I sing it? Hold on. Tell it again. I'll sing the riff. Is it just smoke on the water but just like minor or major at the top? It's just that's it. That's the riff, isn't it? Almost. Pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll get my guitar. I'll get my guitar. I, I was this close to getting you. <laughs> but, yeah, perfect. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, but it's this, obviously because Bish left for different reasons, as you said, and and it's yeah. just like this idea of of kind of endings and then new beginnings is kind of where we're going, yeah. right? And that was you a know, new beginning. Is then coming going. back to kind of working together. Yeah, and yeah, yeah that's right. So that happened, and then so we continued with Powderfinger, and during the whole Powderfinger thing there was a period in uh, about 2004 or five i think when for some reason we had some time oh, on our yeah. hands and bish was back in town and um we had i think we had a year off from fingers stuff and um i don't know who suggested it at the first but we just we the three of us um, had some songs had a had a jam and and it just felt good so we did this Recording, which was meant to be demos for something, but it just ended up that's what ended up getting released. Mm. So, an EP in uh, 2006. Um, and yep. the only reason I remember that is because it was the year yeah. after my daughter was born. And um, so, it's right. as old as she is essentially. So, it was 16 years ago that we yep. did that. And uh, Powderfinger, so we did, you know, the Predators did what, maybe a, sort of six or eight gigs in, in around that year or two that we released that. And then yep. we've sort of done a gig every year or two gigs every year since then. And it's always been a bit of a cluster yeah, so. trying to get two songs together because we cannot remember, apart from those six songs on the EP, we couldn't remember the structures of songs because there's no recordings of them. And so... Here we are, 16 years later. <laughs> and you can only play Moving On twice a set, yeah, two, exactly. three times a show. Like any more than that, people sort of go, we yeah, get it, guys. We yeah, get it. It's funny. You know what? We've got to play it. We've got to start playing. Wise up. Mm. <laughs> make this the first. Grab the guitar before you go today. I'll see if I can get you out of it. Let's make that the third block. You playing the song for us. Okay. I mean, so that's pretty cool. So when you were sort of, um, yeah, you had some time on your hands and then you sort of get together and play. This is a really stupid musician question, right? But mm -hmm. did it kind of was it kind of like oh, this feels exactly like it did back when we were starting out? Just some there's a familiarity to a familiarity to it. Is that what it is as a band? It just feels right, or the music just comes easy? Yeah, yeah, uh, it it does, I guess. Yeah, for, from uh, original days, or well, for me anyway, because I I didn't sort of play in the the Powderfinger days. So yeah, when JC Ian and I get together. Yeah, like from I meant from more, like the late eighties to, to two thousand and six is what I was drawing for you, Bish. There, like that yeah. kind of playing then and then. Yeah, yeah. Later. It's it's a lot. It's a bit because we're we're keen aficionados of sort of indie Aussie rock in a way, uh, for want of a better word. So we do play that music well as a three piece. You know, sort of Hootie Guru, Sunny Boys, that sort of thing. Screaming Tribesmen, mm -hmm. we love that sort of stuff. We love Led Zeppelin and Neil Young as well, but um, yeah, the, the it's um, I don't know. Yeah. In two thousand four, it, it, it felt and, easy. Mm. Died, died pretty in the stems as yeah. well. That, that, those kind of staple bands. So um, yeah, we just enjoy it because yeah, we're 
enthusiastic about that music and and, and, and it takes all three three to remember the songs. That's the key, isn't it, Ian? It's like you have like one of you's got the the the, the verse, one of you's got the pre-chorus, and one of you sort of bringing the oranges. Is that kind of how it works, Ian? Well, none of us had any of it, frankly. But now we've done the recording. We just <laughs> listened to it before we go back in to rehearsal. Now, and we're going to be fine. But just to answer <laughs> yeah, your yeah. question before, yeah. it sort of was a bit like riding a bike. And for me, I just love the way Bish plays drums, and and. He's singing on mm. this record too, and I think his his lyrics are bloody great. But I really love the way he plays drums, and it's sort of it. I don't know. There's just something about it. The three of us when we play together, it really does remind me of just when we first started. Yeah. And yeah. there's, I don't know. It's the way. It's kind of. It's a. It's very ragged the way we all play together. Someone's behind the beat. Someone's after the beat, and it's kind of. But then it just clicks in this sort of thing, like. I don't know, I've heard people, not that I'm comparing us to the Rolling Stones at all, but some people have said that they are an yeah, awful yeah. band until they're good. And I think that's sort of like us. Like it's mm. it's like, Jesus, these guys don't know what they're doing, but suddenly it, it just clicks <laughs> and it just feels like this <laughs> like this thing that's just sort of different from anything else. And that's what yeah. I love about it. It's not it's not a shiny, a shiny crystal, piece of crystal. It's this, you know, it's like a the black dot, you know, it's like a piece of igneous rock, <laughs> and it's it's really satisfying <laughs> oh. when we do when we do pull it off and it comes together. It just feels so nice, like yeah, I love it. Mm. it, it it's kind of like yeah. the rock and the roll, right? It's kind of like there's right. you know bits and pieces here and there, forward behind. It's having both the pull and the drag. Yeah. Do you yeah. have any? Yeah, go on, Steve. Do you want to do you want to comment on your yeah. drum playing as well? Do you no, wanna- well, thank. Thanks, Ian. Yes, and, and and Ian's playing as well, and JC's the same. It, it hooks together. It's a like an enjoyable thing that becomes a thing. You know, it's mm. a, when you hit the sweet spot. So it's more than you know. It's a cliche, but more than the sum of the three yeah, of us. Some exactly. sort of weird phantom enters the room, yeah. and yeah, it's uh, it's good. Did you have anyone that came out of the woodwork kind of when you were doing – did you – in 2016, you did a show together or you just did the recording together? No, no, we did. That's what I was, was saying. Was there some we did, shows? We did. Because I'm curious to know if anyone shows, came out of the woodwork yeah. and was like, I, we, we saw this first this first incarnation mm-hmm. way, way back kind of, you know, sort of like some super fans that were sort of just excited to see the original kind of – did anyone come out of the woodwork like that from way, way, way back other than mums and dads? I guess so. Friends. I Cousins. Mean, PC, JC's brother. <laughs> Friends and cousins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a few a few people. Yeah. It was it was good. It was good yeah, for me. Awesome. I mean, you know, playing again with these guys. So Yeah, totally. And right, cool. well, let's take a track. let's t- Yeah. Sorry, you go. No, go on. I was just gonna say No no no, I cut you when, off. Go in, on. In, sorry. There's a little that, lag, so so sorry about that. Yeah. In that first incarnation when we got together and did the Predators, we actually live for a, a series of gigs, we got another drummer in to play drums live so that Bish could yeah, go out the yeah. front and sing, which was interesting too. So um, so there ended up being four of us on stage so live. Good. And we're all – we should mention that we are all a different Predator. Like I'm the shark, JC is the wolf, and Bish is the condor. And so when right. when um, we got this other fellow, Ross McLennan, to come and play drums, um, who's a good a friend of ours from Brisbane, he was the piranha. And so now 
we're going to have someone we can talk about the next in the next after this break or whatever but we've got someone helping us out he's going to have to think of his own predator to be well i kind of now i feel like i want to become an honorary predator but i i think it would just be i don't think i'd like the type of animal that you would give to me so before the end of the show i'm going to ask you what type of predator i would be okay uh, maybe I'm just Predator. Maybe I'm just like Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's fine too. You kind of remind Could me be. of Arnie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, thank you, thank you. Ian. We, right, it's your, yeah, yeah, animal totem. Yeah, you think think of your Predator totem. So caterpillar. Really, yeah, what goat, really you know deer. <laughs> in, <laughs> wallaroo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take another quick break. Let's come back and talk about this making this new record. All right, so was it was it a matter of then these new tunes? Was it just how did the songs come about, guys? Was it just getting together and playing and just seeing what sort of fell out? Or was there a writing process or how did it come about? So there, there was uh, a few from uh, the years we'd spent, um, uh, so to speak, in the, not the wilderness, but the predatory uh, on our wilderness. journeys, wilderness <laughs> that we did. Um, and uh, some of those we'd, we'd jammed before and played live before. And so we, we sort of rearranged them. And then there was a, a block of new ones. So when COVID hit in 2020, we had the opportunity we never had before that to actually get together in the one room <laughs> in the one week to to record some things, which was great. So um, thanks to Ian, um, had the use of um, Airlock Studios and were able to do that block of new songs. So, um, yeah, that was the start of it. So that was that was a, a good thing, a silver lining for, for COVID in a way. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's like there's been very limited number of times that that we've all had time. I've been touring around everywhere for the last seven years with the church, playing in the band The Church. I haven't gone all religious on you. And um, uh, so, yeah, I've done like over 500 gigs around the world with them now, which is crazy. Obviously yeah. none of them in the past two years. But um, And JC has been trying to run venues during COVID, which I wouldn't wish on anyone. That's like, yeah, that gosh, suck. No. And, um, he's Bish the big been, bum. He's really the biggest bum of them all, isn't he? He is. He's the biggest bum. Bish has been super yes. busy doing what he does. And so we always just couldn't find the right time. But yeah, so was it only a week, I think for the first sessions we went in and smashed out mm-hmm. some, well, that was just the start. Yeah. The start. Yeah. And, uh, so got, uh, in the studio here, which is, just up the hill there, I can see it. Um, Steve Kempnick is a the um, the engineer that did Honorary it. Predator. Um, yeah, so he's, he's the snake, he's the snake. By the way. Uh, yeah, he's Brad? the snake. Yeah, right. Snake. I don't know. He didn't specify which kind of snake totem. at this point. And yeah, so he did a fantastic job, sort of um, beating it into shape. And, uh, you know, every now and then he, yep. he, we'd listen to a playback and say, Ian, Ian, this is a dog's breakfast. And 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 I'd say, you know, <laughs> help us fix it sort of thing. And um, <laughs> so, you know, and it's because we, 
you know, we all know sort of what we're doing in the studio and, and everything, but it's, you know, we, we wanted it to sound, we didn't want to be, it, it to be slick. It's definitely got a vibe. It's, mm. um, so, yeah, I think he, he really captured the spirit I mean, can of what you, we can, wanted to do. Yeah, can you, describe to, can you describe that to people that have no idea of what it's like to make a record? That this idea of not wanting it to be slick and just letting it kind of breathe as it is. How would you, is there a kind of comparison you can give to people that have no idea? Do you know what I mean? Like, because if you make music, you know what you mean, but. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't even know what bands people know now, but you've got like, you've got Roxette, who are a, t- a total polished pop band. You know, they've got some great songs or ABBA yep. or something like that. It's just really slick. Or actually Little River Band, you mentioned them. Okay, so it's it's great. Like everything's great. kind of perfect. Whereas the sort of music that we gravitate more to, to listening to, is more like, you know, the, the Stooges or, the you know, even the Stones or something like that, where there's, it's, you know, Motorhead or ZZ Top or something. It's a vibe. It's a vibe. Yeah. It's not, yeah. You're not trying to make stuff perfect. Stuff moves around. Um, there's yeah. mistakes in there that, you know, whether or not people hear them, or, you know, that's a different matter, but I can I can hear certain mistakes. It's like that's just the way it is. That's the the record of what we did at that moment, mm. and um, so I don't know. I think it's yeah, especially when we have have access to a, a studio like we did, like my my place here. It's kind of you could go forever, really, and it's kind of you know you're not paying bazillions of dollars to do it, so it's pretty tricky to to decide when. To, to stop, to sort of go, okay, that's it. We've got to stop. We've got to give ourselves a deadline because you could Let's go crazy and try and make it perfect and redo stuff like Def Leppard totally scrapped a whole record after they'd done yeah. it and started again. But, yeah, I don't know. It's That would be extremely disillusioning. <laughs> and, that, and that's where Steve um, came in, the, the producer, was, was um, uh, good at... Uh, pulling some of that back, if we we could go on forever, and, and yeah, he was very good as the, the sort of not quite the axe man, but he able to, to to sort of bring things into line and and mm. you know get a structure if we, we were going off course, and so that that was good as well. Um, Definitely, and and some of the new songs we sort of had a, an idea of structure, but uh, we flipped it on its head a few times, which was good. Which helped Just me played it backwards. Just paint yeah, it back almost. and, and turn the verse into a chorus. I was saying, and, a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and and that helped because I'm a very one thing. That's it, you know. I can give you end. a tom or a snare or and a hi hat, but I'm not giving you them all together. That's yeah. it. I know. Bish would get freaked and out so when we'd say. I was able to be loosened. We would say, okay, Bish, this, we have to change the way this song's working because someone, normally JC, will have um, you know, listened to it late at night after a couple of wines and decide that it's got to sort of change and he'd ring up Bish and Bish and him would have a bit of an argument. Not an argument. This is the thing. You can't, you can't get offended by this stuff. It's like creative. It's a creative thing. And so everyone, well, this you, is the thing, right? You've got to argue for what you hear. Yeah. And if everyone didn't get sort of slightly, I don't know, um, 
testy about it, then it means yeah. that you don't care. Yeah. So it's like we, yeah, we, we all that. care what the result is. <laughs> but it's like sometimes it gets pretty pretty intense. Like all creative stuff does, especially if you've known each other for as long as we have. And um, But, yeah, mm. I think having Steve as the – the moderator sometimes, like a, produ- a producer has to be a psychologist as yeah. well. And he, he did a really great job in sort of saying, yeah. guys, guys, settle down, calm down, we're going to make it okay. You know. <laughs> I know you think yeah. that it's a good idea to put a 20-piece kid choir on this, but I just don't know if in the morning you're going to feel like it's a good idea. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or, so um, is it like you have one, then I have one? Is that how you sort of make a make a record in a, in a band that's, that that lasts? Is it like you have this one, I'll have the next one? Or is it just the best idea wins and if you argue it long enough, someone will come around and go, you're right, okay, you're right. I, I was – because you're right, everyone has a, a feeling about where it should go and they don't always align completely. They just have to align yeah. enough. Yeah, I, I did yeah. that twice and I think one, I've, I'm still not sure whether it's the right way. <laughs> But, uh, but it's too is, late. It, is it your predator? Is that what it is? It's, it's too late. It's now. too late. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's, it's yeah, yeah. I think there's a few that I let that's, go. That's as fine well. too. That's part of the process. Yeah, you sort of go. Yeah, okay, yep. I'm the odd man out here. I've got to let. I've got to let that go through. <laughs> you know, it's like you choose your battles essentially, and um, that's the, the mm. democratic, yeah, democratic. Uh, just focus on something else because that, and. But there's, I don't think that there's anything in there for anyone that's going to make them skip the song or anything anymore. Like there, there was a couple of them at one no, stage. And it's like that's, we, yeah. we got rid of all those things. It's like, you know, you don't want to ruin the song for anyone. And um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I tried. It's amazing what the barometer though is, isn't it? Yeah. It's like yeah. that's that's the – it's like I'm, I'm so fascinated about how, how – just how – you know, great records get made, but the way to get to the end is different for everyone. It's kind mm. of like, it's like those inkblot things when you show an artist an inkblot. It's like, what is this? It's like, that's how they make the record. It's like, okay, well, real, real this is my barometer. Just, I do it until this. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it amazes me. That's why I kind of, you know, these big flighty questions to me are fascinating because, mm. you know, it might be just, well, when the wind changes, that's when I know we've got it. You know, exactly. I, I'd believe it. Yeah, some of the, I mean, some of the songs will, yeah. I was just going to say some of the songs were, were pretty formed and and they kind of worked and we we're all pretty happy. Others we had to really work at, but suddenly they all clicked. So yeah, it's different for each song, I think, depending mm. on what way or you know, as you say, the wind when yeah. the wind changes, etc. Yeah. And I think one thing so, that was yeah. that we don't didn't do, and we try never to do really, is we're not really writing it for anyone else to try and fit their brief. We're doing it so that we like it. And if we like it, then hopefully someone else will. We're not writing it to try and Mm. get it through some radio programmers, you know, what they like. It's Inbox. Yeah. And the interesting thing too towards the end of the the, um, sessions was some songs, was the – the order of the songs for the album and some songs were coming up the ladder, some were going down as we were completing mm. them. And that was that, like we had a, a, um, uh, a lovely lady by the name of Georgia Morton, I think doing some Georgia backing Potter, vocals yeah. on that. And that sort of Georgia Potter brought some um, uh, songs, you know, 
through the stratosphere. So it was all the adding and subtracting. Totally, it's not yeah. over till it's over, is it? No. Yeah, and she she was meant to come to the studio and do recording, but border closures. She's in. She's a Brisbane girl, but she was down in Byron and she got stuck there. So we had to do it remotely because I really wanted. We all really wanted her to do it rather than. There's plenty of great singers around, but I just knew that her voice was going to work really well. And uh, yeah. yeah, she's she's. I think was it four songs that she sings on, and she it's. Yeah, it's amazing yeah. what she's done. It's really, as Bish just said, it's brought songs that sort of were further down the list up in. Well, everyone can go and listen to the album now. By the time this episode comes out, the album will be out. There's a link in our show notes. You go and check it out. Ian, before we go, any chance we can get you to play us a bit of that song? Everyone's just hanging on hanging on their edges. Can you grab a guitar? Down, down. That's it. Woo! That was it. Thank you very much. Wow. Uh, it's officially property of Ramble City and uh, anyone that wants to buy that can guess. Thanks, guys, so much for coming on, sharing some of this and talking with us today. It's been a real pleasure to catch up and, yeah, all the best with the record. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having us. This has been Ramble City a podcast of conversations with interesting people musing on art, life and their careers. Created and produced by Old Fashioned Media. To hear more and discover additional material from today's episode, visit ofm.com. Listener.